my sister-in-law was the first person to question whether or not I had a problem. She's a nurse. And when she asked my brother, my brother was like, my sister, are you kidding me? Like my family kind of put me on this pedestal. I didn't ask to be put there, but that's kind of where they put me because I was always the, the good one and made good decisions and good choices. And I was the first person of like this generation of my family to actually go to college and graduate. I graduated from UAF with a degree in criminal justice. And then I started having some health problems and I had to go to the hospital, ended up having surgery. And then from there, it was just like a downward spiral. It was something they couldn't figure out. So from 2004 to 2012, I had 25 surgeries. You know, people really didn't know what opioid addiction was. The doctor sure didn't because not once did anybody tell me anything about you can get addicted to them, you can get dependent on them. And so I always tell people that my doctor was my first drug dealer. The one doctor that asked me if I had a problem, I walked out of there with 120 perks set. This was back when you could call in narcotics over the phone. And it's not that hard to get a doctor's DEA number when they give you the script, the DEA number's on there. And if you're smart enough, you know what words to use. I would call in different scripts to different pharmacies. And I would call in like 90 pills at a time and I would keep half and sell half. I got away with it until I was probably one of the worst days of my life. I called in a script to Fred Miles in Eagle River and my mom was with me and I went to go pick it up. And I had screwed up because the person I called it in for, I guess was on Suboxone and I didn't know it. So it looked a little odd that you were calling in a narcotic for. And then when I realized that the pharmacy had kind of figured it out, I walked out of Fred's and I guess the prevention officer or whatever like followed me to like what car I went to and then the next thing I knew I was getting pulled out and slapped handcuffs on me. I went to jail for about 16 hours in complete withdrawal. <laughs> they let me out on my own recognizance and then I had to tell the DEA how I did it. They didn't understand how a civilian could call in pills. And if I did that, and if I stayed clean, and I had to check in, in with them like every day, every day I had to call them, even if it was Christmas day. At any time they wanted me to come in for a drug test, I'd have to go in for a drug test. And then literally like a year later, they're like, all right, you're clean, you know, we're not gonna hold this over you, you're free to go. I had stayed clean for a bit after all of that, and then I relapsed. And that was the final time for everybody where my family cut me off. My mom threatened to call the cops if I ever showed up at her job or at the apartment. My brother threatened the same thing because before then they were always there to pick up the pizzas. I checked into the rescue mission and I just stopped, literally, knowing that if I ever go back out again, I'll end up dead. Everybody can change. I mean, everybody can. I used to be of the, of, of the belief back before I had all these issues that, you know, criminals, especially addicts, were these horrible, awful people that needed to be locked in, you know, prison and throw away the key and all of that. So it was very humbling being on the other side of it. Hope does exist and it's not hopeless. It's not worthless.